Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. All right, everyone, we have a uh, special show for you today. Bit of a back-to-basics show, as my wife likes to tell me to do after I get a little crazy, like last week. Um, And uh, we have our usual Dynamite preview. Of course, a uh, a great amount of uh, listener mail, a great great mailbag this week. And the debut of a new musical piece, uh, which we'll get to uh, coming up in a minute. Welcome in, wrestling fans, and you are listening to The Next Pillar, your AEW podcast. Uh, You can find us, uh, if you'd like to submit something to our mailbag, uh, you can go to uh, nextpillaraww.com. You can also email us at nextpillaraww at gmail.com. My name is Blake. You can find me on Twitter at Blake on Wax. You can find the show on Twitter at nextpillaraww. And... um, yeah, we have a, uh, as I said at the top there, a bit of a back-to-basics show uh, today just because, uh, you know, between that interview and then that pretty long uh, personal story that I told, uh, it definitely was less of a wrestling-focused episode, which, you know, I, I will sometimes do from time to time uh, if it feels right, if it's the right occasion. Um, so, I, and yeah, I mentioned that last week, but I do want to know that, you know, if you're not as into that kind of like personal essay kind of stuff. Uh, that's not a normal thing. You know, it's kind of meant just as a, as some nice seasoning, you know? Um, so let's just, uh, let's just get right into it. You know, uh, I just want to get right into the listener mail today. Uh, just to, uh, yeah, again, you know, just in this back to basics approach. Uh, so from Ben, um, he says, I had the same thing happen as you, uh, with the Hardys, uh, a friend of mine I haven't talked to in forever, saw that Jeff Hardy was in AEW and asked me if I still watched. I'm not a huge Hardys fan either, but I do wonder why the IWC, <laughs> whoa, uh, seems to underrate them so much. Um, I, I love this IWC. I have not seen, uh, and again, you know, you may have gleaned, like I'm kind of mainly a Twitter guy. I have not seen uh, many people refer to it as the IWC very recently. And it does bring back some, uh, just quite a few memories of being on the internet in high school 
you know, instead of being in class, as I talked about last week and, uh, you know, reading Scott Keith and the Scotsman and all these kind of people. Um, that one is for, uh, the person a few weeks ago that asked me if I just started watching wrestling this year. Uh, but yeah, you know, certainly, um, I think just a lot of it is just a matter of perspective, you know, uh, if the only wrestling that you've watched is like mainstream WWE, then the Hardy's in ring product, you know, it means something very different to someone. You know, I'm thinking of this friend of mine who I know only watched wrestling. He only watched WWF from 1999 until about 2002. And if you think about what the WWF was like at that time, you can see why, you know, a Jeff Hardy, the in ring product it would be pretty compelling, you know? Um, and I will just say like, kind of as a general point, something that I do like to talk about on this show is just like that idea of these lapsed fans, uh, you know, people who used to watch, stopped watching, but, you know, maybe would want to watch again. Um, you know, if they knew about AW or, you know, various other companies for that matter. Um, and one thing across the board, you know, when I talk to people who I know haven't watched wrestling in, you know, many years is just, uh, how much athleticism there is in today's, uh, pro wrestling, you know? And if you've grown up, you know, again, you know, someone like, uh, you know, in their twenties that like hosts a new Japan podcast. And I, I just regretted saying that cause there is probably someone that that applies to, but I really am just trying to come up with a hypothetical here. Uh, honestly, uh, is of course going to have a much different perspective than, this friend of mine that I'm thinking about who, you know, I know only watched, uh, in fact, you know, most of their time as a fan, like when they were the most rabid was in 99. So you can imagine what the in-ring product was, uh, you know, compared to today. So yeah, of course the Jeff Hardy is going to stand out in that context. Um, so I think that's what a lot of this is, is just that in a modern day context, if you've been watching wrestling, you know, for 20, 30 years, um, the Hardys may not seem to be particularly compelling if you are someone that is kind of embracing the direction that wrestling is going. Um, but for many fans, you know, who wrestling was a big part of their life and they stopped watching because the WWE sucks, basically, uh, for, for them, you know, hearing that the Hardys are going to AEW and are going to get the chance to, you know, as I talked about last week, tell their own story, um, that's really compelling television for a lot of people. Um, and I doubt I'm the only one or, and this, this reader, of course, you know, I doubt him and I are the only people who have experienced this of, you know, people who we maybe didn't even know watch wrestling, you know, are interested in what Jeff Hardy is doing. And, uh, you know, regardless of, you know, I'll be, I'll be honest, you know, I think the knock on the Hardys as, you know, can they deliver a compelling in-ring product? I think that knock is real. You know, there were times during that match where, you know, of course, you know, I was going nuts during the entrance, but for the actual match, you know, I was nervous during a lot of it. Uh, you know, I just had that feeling of, oh, is this going to be... Because <laughs> you don't want to see two two wrestlers like that, uh, you know, do something, you know, to... Uh, to not live up to the expectations of the Hardys in AEW, you know, frankly. And I guess just from what I know of Matt and Jeff, I have a lot of confidence in them that for them to do the Hardys in AEW, um, you know, they know 
how, uh, you know, different the in-ring product expectations are, you know, in AEW as opposed to WWE. Um, uh, of course they do, you know, I, and so I have faith in them. You know, these are again, you know, two great wrestling minds in, in Matt and Jeff Hardy. Um, I really do feel like they will be able to deliver, um, at some point during this run, you know, if not the entire run, but the Hardys have, uh, you know, one, at least one, if not several great wrestling history moments left in them. Uh, and I'm just glad, uh, that we all get to watch on AEW. Um, so we have another question here, uh, just about, uh, some creative issues, uh, just a lack of direction in the women's division. Um, and I talked about that a little bit too last week, you know, just, uh, with this Thunder Rosa, like what was the point of that singles match at revolution for, you know, just Thunder Rosa and Rip Baker. Um, I think, um, and a lot of other people have talked about this too, you know, where it's like sometimes with this long-term story planning, uh, you know, they have a tendency to telegraph things. And sometimes the thing that you want, um, it, it takes so long. It's like, it's like when you order a pizza and there's some issue or something like that, and it never makes it to your house and you have to order another pizza. And then it's like, you know, you want a pizza 90 minutes later, you might not want another pizza. And that's kind of what it's like with this Thunder Rosa situation <laughs> uh, is, of course, I mean, Thunder Rosa pizza, everyone loves Thunder Rosa and pizza, you know, like every day, you know, I'd watch Thunder Rosa eat pizza every day, literally. Um, but uh, to have to wait that long for it, I just, uh, it, it, I don't think even doing it in her hometown with the, with the entrance, which was really cool. Uh, it just wasn't the moment. I don't think it would have been had they pulled the trigger on that just a bit earlier. I will say though, that I feel like with this title transition, the women's division is, uh, going to be, uh, going towards like a much more, you know, positive and vibrant direction because of course now it's not just, okay, what's going on with Brit and the title. It's going to be, okay, there's the title, there's Brit, you know, there's this, uh, Hikaru Shida deep feud, uh, you know, there's this Chris Statlander thing where, uh, someone in the discord asked just about like a small mid card thing that I've been enjoying. I love this new Chris Statlander look. Um, I really do. Um, really kind of like, I don't know, like it just, it, it, it really exudes a, a star power that I hadn't seen kind of in a Chris Statlander before. Um, and a different vibe, I think, than uh, the women's roster has uh, currently. Um, and so I'm excited to see, you know, if like, you know, sometimes there'll be a change in character. Sometimes that means a change in in-ring stuff. So I'm really excited uh, to see, you know, her next real match to see, yeah, her in this new, um, I don't even know what to call it. I, I'm excited to hear, I would be very interested to hear some insight from her as to like what the vision was, but uh I think it just is so cool looking. And um, yeah, so that's my little thing that I've been excited about lately. I just thought that was very cool. Um, but yeah, uh, I do think um, I was actually thinking about this situation with, oh, the TNT title booking situation, which we'll get into here in a moment. Uh, but also the criticisms of the women's division. And it, it got me to thinking 
the other night, uh, you know, my wife and I uh, came in. We were out of town for a few days, went to Oakland to see New Edition. And uh, I had the the pleasure of, you know, my wife cooking a full meal uh, for us. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where her and I uh, typically most nights her and I cook together um, or I cook for us. Uh, but it was a nice treat to have her cook a, a nice meal for me. And something that I really appreciated is just that uh, unlike me where I'm like one of those people where it's like I'll spend the entire time just like focusing on the main dish. And then it's like I get to the side dishes and it's just kind of well, what happens happens, you know what I mean? Uh, whereas, uh, you know, my wife took all this very delicate care to each individual dish and component where it is like a more of a, of a, of a complete package. And, um, you know, that's somewhat similar to like how you would want to structure, uh, a wrestling show, of course. And, this is going to, I'm actually going to be able to do a twofer with this. Like you may not see it right now, but just see me through this and you'll realize that I'm actually going to make a twofer out of this, which is someone asked me how my, um, how our trip went. Um, and just like they knew I was going there cause I said on air, uh, just that I'm, uh, was going there to see uh new edition. And, uh, that was another experience of, let me tell you, uh, you know, what a wrestling show should be like, frankly, you know, because uh, you have New Edition, you have Bobby Brown, you have Johnny Gill, you have Belle Biv DeVoe, you know, which was, frankly, a show stealer, and I was not expecting uh, the pop that they got. Uh, it was impressive. And, uh, God, speaking of things that wrestling faction should be based on, Belle Biv DeVoe with the first half of the names all together. Um, God, I would love to see that. And, uh, and the outfits, you know, um, and then at the end, oh, and yeah, you, you Ralph Tresvan, of course, like we can't forget sensitivity. That's, that's a banger. But, uh, then at the end you get new edition again. And that's really how a wrestling show should be like. And I think I just hear a lot of general criticism right now, uh, from fans and podcasters alike, just with the, um, yeah, the cr lack of creative direction for a lot of these secondary titles, like the, the TNT title, but also the women's title, uh, to where you do feel like, uh, you know, again, Tony Khan is the kind of guy, like he invites you over to dinner. He hands you, you know, over here, here's a nice burger, brioche bun. It's a nice patty, like bacon jam, blue cheese, fried egg. Maybe some arugula. Shout out to Tamar Tavern in Portland. Um, and then it's like, you know, you look over and you see the bag of Orida. And there's a little jar of that Sriracha Ranch stuff. And, you know, but in the at the end, at the end of the night, when you're going home, what do you think about? Do you think about the frozen fries or do you think about the burger you're gonna think about the burger and that's kind of how tony khan gets away with some of this stuff but it's kind of just like with the culinary thing or just like with the concept of like this new edition show especially in comparison to you know your typical show where there's two openers and a headliner and you only want to see the headliner kind of situation which frankly is sometimes how it feels like with these AEW shows at least in the attention that are paid to the storylines of course not in individual performances um and i think wrestling is also a, is always a thing where 
yes, creative is important, obviously, uh, but you always will have these cases of individual performers who are able to get over despite what the creative is doing. And we see this in AEW too. You know, I think that it's definitely more of a knock on WWE, but we do see this in AEW too, uh, where a wrestler is, uh, you know, more over than they are put on the card. Um, and uh, of course that's bound to happen. And there's reasons for that, that we you know, may not know about, you know, depending on the, the, it's like a case by case basis, I'm sure. Um, but that is always interesting to see. And yes, you know, it does feel like at times where, uh, you know, it's like you're at Thanksgiving and it's like, uh, you know, you got the, uh, the, the hangman page Turkey and the Jade Cargill mashed potatoes. And you're like, this is the best Thanksgiving ever. And then you turn over and there's the canned green beans, you know, that's the tag division. Because, you know, you like green beans. You like the components of it. But do you like the presentation? Do you like the consistent storytelling on a week-to-week basis? You know, you really want to put a fork in that? Uh, That's just kind of how things are with Tony. And it's okay. Because, you know, in the end, you'll remember that amazing turkey. You'll, You'll remember the attention you put into the mashed potatoes. But, you know, again, compared to a... When you know the kind of meal that I'm talking about where there's like four components and they're all great. Like that is just its own unique art form. Just as I was talking about a couple weeks ago, I believe it was just how uh, the entirety of a pay-per-view is kind of even its own individual organism. Uh, these are just, you know, kind of like things that I really actually appreciate about wrestling is just these kind of little unique um, aspects to it. Like exactly like this. Um, so yeah, we had a wonderful trip in Oakland is what I'm trying to say. Uh, but yeah, between my wife's dinner, the new edition show, uh, that's kind of how I've been, uh, thinking about the AEW creative situation where, um, yeah. And you know, I guess this is where I should do, uh, you know, the thing where I'm like a guy that's on the ringer and, uh, you know, obviously hint that I would want a job, but instead I'm actually going to do something more direct in a new segment that we have that we will be doing every so often, not too often. So don't worry if you don't like it, but it is called a pitch to Tony. That's right. A pitch to Tony Khan. Um, so this one is really pretty uh, self-explanatory, but before we get started, uh, let's just let the music do the talking. Thank you for being a friend We gon' spend the hell back again Mom's and Danielson Maybe we learn you to too And if you threw a knife at every Thank you for being a friend. 
Um, my wife is worried that I'm gonna um, forget my various uh, segments that I brought into. But yeah, as part of our pitch to Tony Khan, the reason why it's only going to be an occasional thing is that these pitches are actually from my wife, and this was her idea. Uh, so we're sending this to Tony uh, about uh, just this Danielson Moxley group being christened as the golden guys of violence and let's just uh i wanted my wife to come on and flesh this analogy out a little more just because she is a lot more familiar with the source material of golden girls uh than i am okay so regal is sophia they're both the oldest they're both firecrackers you don't know what they're gonna say they might not always be like the most with it or culturally sensitive they speak what's on their mind you also know with both of them that they have like some things in their past that you don't quite know about and maybe, then maybe both of them with Tony Schiavone. I don't know. There <laughs> might be something to that. Um, but yeah, go on. So Danielson, Dorothy. Uh, they're both the most responsible, take things the most seriously for sure. Um, and they definitely hold the group together. Like if anyone amongst the four of them have any drama they're the ones that like rein things back in and remind everyone like hey here's what we're doing you know let's keep a let's keep a level head also like the protagonist you know because like it was danielson's idea to do this stable so it makes sense that he would also be the protect you know the protagonist and also the most boring that well yeah and that's yeah that's something that listeners might quibble with but yeah you're you're not a brian danielson fan well they don't have much to overcome it feels like 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 they have it all figured out you know you there's not much to root for okay moxley blanche um kind of wild Definitely a little slutty. Definitely the sexiest. That's all I'll say about that one. Um, Wheeler Yuda is Rose. Sweet. Hasn't seen nearly as much as the others. Innocent. Just always... A kind soul. Kind know. soul. Yeah. Um... Ready for whatever, though. Open-minded. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, hasn't hasn't been through as much as the other guys. Not as hard mm-hmm. as the others. Sure. So, yeah, I think it I think it all fits pretty well. I, I agree, sweetie. I also um, I wanted to have you on, too. Uh to just talk a little bit about because I realized that I screwed up because I didn't really introduce that Chris Jericho thing. Um, 
which uh, I actually wanted to play again just so that people can hear it with the benefit of some of this context. Um, and I also just wanted to mention that my favorite lyric in it is the part where you say uh, Jake Hager 2. Uh, just because, I mean, that's Jake Hager, you know, it's like the WWE is doing this thing with Seth freaking Rollins, you know, I want to see Jake Hager too, T-O-O, Jake Hager too. Uh, and man, like he really, that segment last week, he really looked like, uh, he has some kind of endorsement deal with JC Penny with that outfit he was wearing. And really, if there's anyone they can take St. John's Bay to the next level. It's Jake Hager too. But anyway, honey, uh, explain. You were saying that that Chris Jericho thing is a medieval hymn about like what was it benediction and and. So yeah, honey, uh, I just wanted you to explain uh, just the kind of story behind this Jericho thing, uh, just because I think people may have not realized that like just how out there. Uh, it was and I think you know if I know Chris Jericho uh, you might think to yourself is this too far for Chris Jericho but I I have a pit in my stomach that no this wouldn't be too far for Chris Jericho but yeah about this Jericho Appreciation Society uh, song you said it was based off of a uh, medieval hymn right uh yeah it comes from Tentum Ergo which I might be saying incorrectly um which is a medieval latin hymn sometimes recited but also sometimes performed in gregorian chant from the 13th century um still used in the catholic church i think but obviously my version is like synths and strays but the chord movement is the same um and the melody is actually modal the melody stays pretty much the same um yeah do you have other questions about it uh no i just wanted to flesh that out and just play it again because i think it went under the radar a little bit last week and part of that was just because i didn't provide this proper context because you can just imagine at a you know, Jericho Appreciation Society commencement, uh, you know, having this song performed and recited in uh, just all the pageantry uh, that Chris Jericho would make sure would be involved. And again, you know, I think uh, this is just that step over the line that uh, Chris Jericho might really enjoy. So anyway, I just wanted uh, to play this uh, for y'all just one more time again. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
So we are trying something new with the Dynamite Preview this week. Uh, and let me know if you like it, because I think this might be the move going forward. Uh, so tonight's Dynamite, uh, recording this on a Tuesday afternoon, and uh, it is nice to see most of the card filled out, because again, you know, I sometimes struggle on here when uh, Tony Khan waits until 5.30 to announce all the matches. Uh, but first up, uh, Sting, Darby Allen, the Hardys, uh, in not a 25-minute scripted promo uh, by a WWE brain, but a uh, eight-man tag with Pirate Party, The Butcher, and Blade. Uh, looking forward to that. You know, again, I think this is that right situation for the Hardys to maybe find their footing. And uh, again, you know, there is a lot of history and meaning in uh, the four people in this face team. Um, but again, the way to uh, tell that story is uh, to let the wrestlers tell the stories and not have, uh, you know, a writer writing promos for Sting and Darby Allen. Uh, but I digress. Uh, also, uh, Varsity Blondes are going up against uh, Mox and Brian Danielson. Um, I, we haven't heard definitively that Wheeler Yuta is in this group yet, so I would not be surprised if he made an appearance. Um, and it's hard to picture, you know, one of the Varsity Blondes winding up in this group, so it'll be kind of be interesting to see what happens to uh, people that just end up kind of getting steamrolled uh, by this group, which is what I expect with this match. Uh, Red Velvet and Layla Hirsch. Uh, you know, again, I mentioned, you know, Chris Statlander seems to be impending to break up this match. Um, I love this new Chris Statlander look. I, I hope, she, again, you know, she's uh, kind of got a new personality in the ring to match. You know, I think that's exactly, you know, the kind of fresh face uh, or refreshed face, I guess, in this case, uh, that the women's division could really use, you know, in this transition away from this Britt Baker title run. Um, you know, again, uh, I was talking about this last week, just the absence of, you know, CM Punk was maybe the biggest presence on uh, Dynamite the past couple weeks, wondering, you know, what what's going on with CM Punk, and we will finally see him tonight. I'm interested to see what feud he may move on to. And I did have a question in the Discord uh, about uh, if we'll see a CM Punk heel turn before the year is over. And here is my uh, bold prediction. I'm going to actually go out on a limb here. I think that he's either not going to turn heel and that he's really enjoying this kind of like character I've talked about on here before. This like, um, uh, let's get rid of all the bullies in AEW kind of situation. This anti-bully face character, I think as uh, you know, a victim of bullying himself in so many ways. Uh, CM Punk may have found a new voice that he likes with this character. Um, so I would be surprised to see that continue, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he might turn heel sooner than we think. And, uh, you know, maybe even a lot sooner than we think. And so that's what I'm going to say. It's either, if he's going to turn heel, it's going to be really soon, uh, after, you know, he's collimated this MJF feud, uh, or, uh, you know, I think he's just going to stick with this face act, uh, Jay Lethal and Adam Cole. Um, I'm looking forward to this. You know, I know Jay Lethal has his uh, critics out there for various reasons. Um, but I also suspect that we may, uh, you know, hear some things on here about Ring of Honor. I know uh, it was referenced over the dark tapings. You know, Jay Lethal referenced Ring of Honor. Um, and, uh, you know, given the, the history uh, that both of these wrestlers share in Ring of Honor, um, you know, in terms of the impact it had on their careers... 
um, it seems. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the match and seeing, uh, you know, what uh, what might happen, what directions for Adam Cole we might see um, going forward, because um, it doesn't seem like he's going to continue to be in that uh, title picture with Hangman Page, which is something that I think is good. I think it's time for Hangman Page to move on to a, a new challenger. And again, my hope for that is Miro, but uh, we'll see. Uh, Chris Jericho, Daniel Garcia uh, going up against John Silver and Alec Reynolds of the Dark Order. Um, this should be an interesting match. You know, again, it's kind of not that dissimilar to the Varsity Blondes going against Moxley Danielson in that you have this uh, faction, you know, that's establishing itself. Um, so, of course, the outcome seems pretty obvious. Uh, but I am interested to see, you know, uh, just how much this sports entertainment shtick kind of finds itself in Chris Jericho's in-ring work and especially in Daniel Garcia's in-ring work as, you know, one of the greatest technical wrestlers uh, in the world right now. Uh, to see him at, you know, some sports entertainment moves could be quite entertaining, so I'm looking forward to that. And with that, that is your weekly Dynamite preview. Uh, it's always going to be like this unless I get a lot of feedback that you guys hate it. And um, another show housekeeping uh issue is just that I may start uh, doing the show uh, to have it up on Monday instead of Wednesday. Uh, I've heard from a lot of you that uh, you end up listening to the show later and so this kind of timely dynamite preview isn't much use to you anyway. And so um, this is kind of the way that I've uh, kind of come up with where I've have, I've have had a lot of folks suggest, you know, move the show to Mondays uh, just because that would be, you know, someone even told me, you know, that they like to listen at work and that it would be uh, a lot nicer for them to have it on a Monday than on a Wednesday. Um, and yeah, I think there's something to, um, you know, providing something for folks when they want it. And so, uh, yeah, I will kind of plot that move to Monday unless uh, you guys have some big object objections because maybe you like these Dynamite previews to be as comprehensive as possible because, again, we actually do have most of the full card today, but most of the time we don't. And so... Uh, having like a little compact dynamite preview here in each and every show, I think would be my way of just making sure that it's in the show, regardless of if we have the full card or not. So let me know what you guys think about that. Is this how you do your show? You don't like practice? All right. So that was a little special attention for the dynamite preview. You know, again, last week I was saying the dynamite preview, sometimes it gets short shrift around here on the next pillar. But this week, gave it a little special attention in that last segment. And uh, back to the mailbag we go. That's right. I'll do all kinds of segments in the mailbag. I would have never considered it. If it was not for the House of Black, Knights of Black Thone situation, this show would be a lot less interesting. As would a little show called A.W. Dynamite, I, uh, I believe. Um... Speaking of people uh, that uh, should have won the TNT title, yeah, Malachi Black. Uh, and this brings us to something that I have learned about uh, my listeners, my audience, and that's that uh, all of you were, or at least all of you that wrote in about it, were very upset about this Scorpio Sky uh, title victory, you know? And uh, it's certainly... Um, it certainly does seem a bit off now, doesn't it? And going back to our earlier analogy, this all has to do with table setting. So 
this was the issue is that there was no table setting for Scorpio Sky. Um, and so I've and I've I, look, I understand that for most people, they see a Scorpio Sky and wonder why, you know, you have your own list of more deserving wrestlers, in your opinion, uh, that should have that title, which up until now, you know, there was a lot of truth in that Cody Rhodes promo in terms of the TNT title feeling special. And I think this is really the first situation and uh, a serious one that they should keep an eye on uh, is that now the TNT title does feel less special uh, to me, just that they did not sufficiently build up Scorpio Sky uh, to take it. And uh, I say that as someone who... um, a lot of people, you know, seem to to think there's something off with his character uh, or, you know, he kind of lacks a certain charisma. Um, I really feel like a lot of that, again, you know, is just table setting. And here's the situation, you know, back to this analogy. It's like Tony Khan invites you over to Thanksgiving. And then all of a sudden he's like, hey, guys, remember that time a few months ago when I made sheet pan nachos? Like, check it out. Sheet pan nachos. And you're like, well, Tony, like, I like sheet pan nachos, but it's Thanksgiving, man. Like, uh, you know, we didn't, this is not what we asked for. This is not what we expected. And, you know, even if you might enjoy a little sheet pan nacho, uh, you know, in the context of a Thanksgiving day plate, it's a little odd. And also is sheet pan nachos really your second favorite meal? Because that's kind of what you're saying with this TNT title. So sorry. Um, uh, Jamba Juice is not settling well. Of all things to have before a show, that's giving me some issues. Is the Jamba Juice very odd? Um, but uh, yeah. So back to this TNT title situation. Uh, it was not sufficiently built up. Again, it's like Tony being like, "Hey, check out these sheet pan nachos from uh, from a few months ago. Remember, you guys love those." Um, and yeah, you know, everyone likes sheet pan, a good sheet pan nachos, but yeah, you know, you, it's, you gotta have some table setting. And, uh, I just feel like, and again, to parse this out, um, uh, VJ again wrote in with a good point just about that. Um, on the last week I said, you know, what an upgrade to get Sammy and Ty Conti as opposed to Cody and Brandy Rhodes. And uh, VJ has a good point in that, you know, if we're talking about wanting to build up Scorpio Sky, it actually would have been much better if he could have gotten the rub from Cody Rhodes. That's a pretty great point uh, from the lens of, you know, what's best for Scorpio Sky. For me, like what's best on my TV, uh, I'm a lot more excited to see uh, to what how this Sammy uh, Scorpio Sky feud goes, because I think this is a chance and we've seen this happen throughout wrestling history where sometimes a nice run with a belt can make a guy and I think it's easy for me to picture the potential of a Scorpio Sky with weeks of vignettes with Dan Lambert you add in the Paige Van Zandt aspect of the situation which again you know I think it's pretty clear uh, and there's been a lot of reports you know that this Scorpio Sky thing was planned a very long time ago Um, I have a feeling that they've always planned it to kind of, uh, you know, mirror this, uh, not mirror a company, I guess, uh, this Paige Van Zandt debut. Uh, and so for all we know, you know, it does seem a little bit out of the blue, but there may have been some scheduling stuff with the American top team that, 
uh, kind of resulted in this kind of weirdness that's been going on with the TNT title situation. And I would be interested to hear, you know, some more reporting about the creative behind that, uh, just because, um, and yeah, you know, I do, I, I, another thing is just that the crowd during that, uh, you know, Cody Brandy going against Paige Van Zandt, um, and Scorpio Sky, uh, is much different, you know, from a heat standpoint, um, in that the crowd is often divided by Cody and often disoriented and confused by Cody, frankly, towards the end of his run, as much as I am finding myself missing Cody Rhodes on my TV, honestly. Just the end of his run was a little bit disorienting for fans. Um, and I think having that Paige Van Zant feud happen with someone that has that kind of weird crowd reaction, uh, I just think it's going to be a lot more powerful and feature, you know, two younger stars in Scorpio Sky and um or maybe not I I don't mean younger per se I mean like lesser established I guess or rising stars however you want to put it um and I think that uh you know this feud will be a good chance for Scorpio Sky to prove himself uh you know in spite of again this poor table setting where it really would have felt a lot more uh natural had uh you know Ethan Page won that title I mean he just had that really neat match with John Moxley um I feel like he's been featured on TV a lot more recently um I really do feel like he would have been a great pick if they wanted to hot shot it with American Top Team um that would have made it would have just felt a lot more natural but um again you know unlike a lot of folks out there um I mean, I know that kind of the only time the consensus is, you know, that the only time he was really over was part of that SCU thing. But um, I really do think, you know, that that last vignette that was on Rampage with him doing the snapping finger thing. Um, I see where I, I see where, you know, uh, people think the potential is, you know, and I see where it could go. And um, I would at least like to see where things go, you know, before we prematurely say that a mistake was made. Um, and I did have a listener uh, suggest that maybe Scorpio Sky winning this title was like a race thing and wanting to show like, oh, we can have, you know, a black wrestler win the, the TNT title too. Um, and I think that's misguided because I think that if that was the move, uh, they would give it to like a Keith Lee or someone that's a little bit more high profile and has been featured on programming recently. Um that makes a lot more sense. Like, and of course, if you're doing something that cynical, you're going to want it to have the greatest effect possible. And so, yeah, I don't think the Scorpio sky thing is racially motivated or at all. I think it's very much a long-term plan of, uh, someone in AEW, likely Tony Khan, of course, uh, sees something in him and wants to give him a shot like this. And I think for all of the examples of, uh, wrestlers not getting, you know, their shot like this. Um, I'm, I'm fine with it. And I think, you know, again, ideally there would have been better table setting. And, you know, if you're asking me like, would I have picked other wrestlers? Like, yeah, there's probably (laughs) that list is probably long of people that like, you know, if someone asked me who should have the TNT title next, I know I doubt I, that Scorpio sky would have come to mind. Um, but I am interested in seeing how it goes, especially because I do think that, um, I mean, really, if he can't succeed in a feud that is going to be this hot and 
can deliver with the in-ring product with everyone involved. I have a lot of confidence in all four people involved, you know, in this uh, kind of seemingly inevitable intergender tag team match, you know, I think. And yeah, you know, when we're talking about that list of guys, you know, that could have had that TNT title shot, uh, you know, I think you do have to mention Wardlow, uh, you know, would have felt, you know, like a much more important moment if after that promo he delivered and after he won that ladder match that if he went in there and, uh, you know, won the TNT title, I think that would have been a much bigger moment than uh, this Scorpio Sky moment, which again, you know, felt like uh, it felt like it devalued the TNT title a little bit for me. And again, you know, that's something that, you know, if this Scorpio Sky thing ends up working out, um, that's something that can go away quickly. But I, I just, yeah, again, it's just, I was a bit disappointed to see the lack of attention to detail uh, with the table setting of this TNT title uh, changeover. Um, and uh, yeah, I think Wardlow would have made a lot more sense in that situation. And I understand, you know, that they're wanting to, uh, you know, move on to this Wardlow MJF feud. But he could have won the title that night. You had that really nice moment. You kind of like shift and reset that kind of TNT title picture, so to speak. Um, All that stuff is valuable. And, you know, you can in a future episode of Dynamite have MJF cost him the title, Um, even if your plan is to give it to Scorpio Sky eventually. You know, I think just the moment, uh, you know, that particular night was it would have made a lot more sense for me as as opposed to Scorpio Sky as if Wardlow had just had his shot that night, won it, and then maybe lost it to Scorpio Sky due to all the various interference the next week. Um, I think sometimes, you know, I, and of course there have been so many promotions that have run into trouble with, you know, hot shotting titles, like changing titles too many times. Um, although I will say that, uh, you know, in contrast to the whole like Roman Reigns situation, I don't know if that might not sound kind of nice. Uh, like if the title was actually changing hands on Raw, like I might watch Raw or SmackDown or I don't see. See, this is how little WWE I watch. Uh, he's on SmackDown, right? Yeah, SmackDown. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, it is really just one of those things where uh, a moment like that that is unexpected and not in a way that feels like. Uh, I mean, Scorpio Sky just does not have the connection or rapport with the fans. And that's because, again, like he hasn't really been featured on programming in a way that would indicate that they were building towards a TNT title run. And if you sense some frustration in my voice about this and, uh, you know, I so many of you listeners, uh, it was eight emails that we had um And I actually had like, uh, it was like in the teens, the mailbag was a little light this week. And it was like, all these questions were about, uh, you know, some degree of like, Hey, what's your take on this Scorpio sky thing? Or yeah, I just, um, it is one of those things where I haven't seen someone, I haven't seen something that's AEW has done, uh, strike a negative chord with you folks in the same way that the Scorpio sky thing, Uh, did and I think that your frustration may be similar to mine in that we see that they do have this capacity to have great attention to detail and great long-term story planning Um, but it's like they can only do it selectively and so it's like when you have this situation with 
the women's division or the tag titles or some of these secondary feuds or the TNT title recently. Um, it's like there's that frustration there because you know that they are capable and certainly have the airtime to where they could have sufficiently built up this Scorpio Sky title changeover. So it wasn't just like, oh, I thought this was a random dynamite match, but he ended up winning. Although if you remember, I actually did think that they might actually do that changeover. And that's just because uh, they and, you know, that I guess in hindsight, that does seem a bit obvious just because of the. Uh, again, table setting they've been doing for this American top team angle. And again, you know, it's like uh, they've done a great job building up this Paige Van Zandt debut. It's just in contrast to the Scorpio Sky title changeover, which felt out of nowhere. Again, there's that frustration of, OK, like, let's not just do uh, this thing right, you know, a third of the time. And then the rest of the show is just, well, I mean, it's good wrestling, right? Uh, let's actually have a show that from start to finish holds up and, and makes sense. And, you know, create some of these moments like, uh, you know, some of the most endearing acts of, uh, any great era in wrestling are often the mid card acts, you know, uh, again, this huge connection that people have to the Hardys who, uh, you know, at least during the first part of their run were never really treated like a serious threat until, you know, much later and they take off. Um, and it does make you wonder, you know, are AEW's mid card acts making those same kind of connections, you know, that, uh, these great eras of various promotions, um, were able to make. And I sometimes wonder, you know, when we have this Scorpio sky thing where, um, you know, for the reasons this reader pointed out, you know, a, a black wrestler winning the TNT title should be a moment of, uh, it shows just how wrong the creative is because a moment like that should be something that people are sending positive emails about, uh, the fact that it's not, uh, a moment of celebration. And I'll be honest, you know, I, again, really enjoyed that last vignette on rampage of Scorpio skies. Um, and again, you know, that shows just how uh, broken the creative was with this particular TNT title booking situation, just that they weren't able to create a really nice moment like that, um, a really historic moment like that. It didn't feel like that. It very much felt like, wait, I thought this was just like a dynamite match. What's going on here for many folks out there, it seems, even though I was kind of thinking that they might go in that direction. Um but yeah, I uh, thanks to everyone for writing in about that. And again, it's just interesting to see which things kind of seem to strike a chord with all of you. Um, I did also want to talk a little bit about Keith Lee. And again, you know, this has been a, a huge thing on Twitter recently uh, to be making Keith Lee jokes. My Keith Lee joke of the day was... Um, I bet Keith Lee is exactly the kind of guy that I should talk to about how much I love my new bidet. Um, that's my Keith Lee joke of the day. But in all seriousness, I think what all these jokes seem to indicate is just that uh, something has very much felt off about this AEW run. Um, and I think that even if you are a fan of Keith Lee, and again, you know, I see the potential there for sure. And is, I'm a fan of, you know, uh, some of his work over at the WWE as I've gone back and looked at it. Uh, but a Keith Lee, you know, 
I just don't feel like his presentation is very compelling since he's debuted in AEW. I don't think he's really connected with AEW fans. You know, I know he has the whole White Stripes sing-along thing and all that. But I think when we're talking about, you know, AEW fans, people who have been watching, uh, you know, this company from the beginning, I don't think that he is connecting with the fans. And I don't think his presentation is very compelling. And I think if they're really going to go through with this thing where there's a tag match with Swerve Strickland and Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks, I think having Keith Lee in that kind of match would be like having Rick Moranis in The Godfather or something like that. I think, uh, you know, his presentation is already not connecting. He's already not really looking like oh, yes, I want to see that guy be a pro wrestler. Um, and again, the limitless thing is just like, like, is this like the Kroger yoga pants brand? You know what I mean? Like, what is limitless? And uh, yeah, I wonder, going back to the bidet thing, I wonder if he's like Superman and he's like, you're talking to him like, oh, I got a bidet. And he's like, oh, yeah, I got to f- call the fire department for that. Uh, and that's not a fat joke. That's a Superman joke. I just want to be clear about that. Um and, uh, but yeah, with Swerve Strickland, Powerhouse Hobbs, Ricky Starks, and you have Keith Lee, like, that's like a Chad, Chad, Chad version dynamic, which is just like, uh, again, you know, I, I want to believe in Keith Lee, you know, I want to see, uh, you know, Keith Lee succeed at AEW because again, the potential is there, but the presentation is just not compelling. And frankly, you know, he doesn't really seem particularly compelled by his own presentation either. You know, Um, I uh, just the gap of energy in that last rampage, that main event, the interview for the main event, just the gap in energy is just pretty startling. You know what I mean? Um, Oh, that wasn't the main event promo. That was a promo that was earlier in the show. Sorry. Um, I uh, I was not watching Rampage at my usual time. I was out of town. So, you know, there was a, a bit of a... Uh, wasn't able to download all of it. Um, but yes, Keith Lee. Uh, feel for the guy. But yeah, Keith Lee is just... Uh, something's got to be done about this presentation. Uh, and I think that having him... In another one of these tag teams where it's like two solos wrestlers and a tag team... Is that really, really serving anyone? You know, like the Ben of the Year thing. Can you really say that that benefited uh, Scorpius Guy and Ethan Page more than just being in a group with Matt Dan Lambert would, but not in a like quasi tag team? I guess I just see AEW doing this more and more, and I'm just not, I'm just not sold on it as a way to uh, get wrestlers over. I just think it's a little bit pointless, honestly. Um, but yeah, I uh, again. Yeah, it's like that is literally like having Rick Moranis in The Godfather or Goodfellas or something like that, Um, which I would love to see. Um, So, yeah, uh, that's the end of our mailbag. And it's also the end of the show. But before we go, I did have some words of wisdom for Brian Danielson. Uh, You know, I want to tell a story uh, about about uh, a time in my life. Starbucks, you know, and, uh, you know, just like Tony Schiavone, you know, here I am, uh, working at Starbucks, and I was actually, uh, you know, I had a much better time, uh, working at Starbucks than I, than I thought that I would, you know, 
and uh, a lot of that was just uh, the teamwork and my coworkers and uh, just being in a uh, fast-paced environment like that leads to a lot of uh, interesting bonding experiences and a us-versus-them mentality against, you know, some of the uh, most entitled customers that are out there. And so, you know, Brian Danielson, uh, some advice that I would give to you, you know, if you're really looking to take this Golden Guys of Violence group to the next level is just, uh, you know, ask Tony for a couple months off. Uh, go to your neighborhood Starbucks. You know, I know you've, you've got a lot of them up there in Washington. Uh, and, you know, don't work at the Pike Place one man. Like, yeah, of course you just been taking selfies all day. I'm talking like, you don't need to go to suburban Washington. I'm talking like Auburn. I want you to go to the Auburn Super Mall, <laughs> Starbucks, and work there. And... You know, as you rise through the ranks, you know, think about just all the various ways that you can incorporate that into this new faction that you have. You know, the uh, Starbucks is big in repeatable beverage routines. That's, you know, making a beverage the same way every time. You know, why not do that? You know, with a chair shop, with a knife chop, it's right there for you. And Brian Danielson, I think you would also uh, really enjoy uh, making whipped cream. Um, you shake it very vigorously. Um, I think, um, you know, I think, I think you'd be good at the register. You know, I, I could see you, you know, maybe getting a little flustered, you know, if, if, if someone had some requests that were maybe a little too far. Um, but in, you know, in closing, just, uh, you know, give the Starbucks idea a few thoughts, um, and you can get back to me on that. And, uh, thanks so much for listening. See you next week, folks.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.